Interrupting podcast pr- presenter. Interrupting. Crap, cranked or ranked is back! Hey! <laughs> I thought I recognized you. That wasn't, uh, that wasn't executed very well, but you know, you get my, you get my drift. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Cranked and Ranked. It's been uh, several weeks, I think, since the last episode of Cranked and Ranked. And as Eddie and I were discussing right before we, we started... Um, we're considering this season three, season three, um, which, um, which essentially means, um, I don't know. It, I guess it would, I guess it would mean that, uh, this is, this is when we introduce a new character. No, <laughs> 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 ladies and gentlemen, Socko. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think about, about, uh, about, television shows and what season threes are all usually all about. Usually if you're on to season three, then you're a pretty successful show if you've made it that far. Um, yeah. But p- to be fair, we're the ones putting this out and it's free. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, season three, cause this is the third year we've been doing this. We started in 2020 and then we did mm-hmm. all of 2021. And now this is the first episode of the year 2022, which that sounds that sounds like the future, 2022. I guess 2021 does too, but for some reason, 2022 just sounds like you would see that at the beginning of a sci-fi movie in like that old computer font. Yeah, yeah. The year 2022. <laughs> Nuclear war has ravaged the earth. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's where we are. We're we're in the we're in the. Uh, we're in the third series where we're where the nuclear fallout has already happened, and now we're trying to rebuild. Aren't we like? Aren't we now like seven years away from when Skynet is sp- supposed to become self-aware? So, something like that. I don't remember the date of that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, we've already passed up, you know, hoverboards and shit. So I mean, yeah. You know, before before we know it, we're gonna pass up everything in all of those movies, and they're gonna have to start. <laughs> they're gonna have to start making sci-fi movies where they're where they're set like millions of years in the future, yeah. <laughs> just to make sure. This takes place in in eight thousand twenty nine. I guess that's not millions <laughs> of years, but you know that's it gives you enough time. Um, anyway, can you imagine the year eight thousand? Well, we'll be dead at that point. Global warming and whatnot. We'll be <laughs> every. We'll be dead, but you know everyone else will probably be too. So uh, hey, hey, welcome everyone. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, yeah, so yeah, cranked and ranked is this uh, podcast. If you're new, um, this is a podcast where me and my buddy we rank. Uh, rock and metal and sometimes other music related uh, things, uh, band discographies and whatnot. And today we're back with another uh, band discography. Um, and it's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be a fun one. But first off, uh, I am your your podcast presenter, as I said earlier, uh, Stephen, aka Old Head, with me as always, Eddie Sparks. On a podcast, I I was trying to I was trying that to was, do something there. Was, I, I mean, I I felt I felt where you were going. It was I, like it was like the the execution was it, like you started off strong and then the dismount was kind of poor. 
That's, I mean, that's, it's, it's it's hard to fuck up the I am part, but I yeah. I am. Yeah. <laughs> Constipated. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, yeah, if you heard that and you, you know that that song and or if you know how to read, um, then you know that we're doing uh, Stone Temple Pilots today. Um, and for those yes, of you who are. who are watching at home, um, check out my cool hat. It's an old head hat, um, which is uh, for sale on uh, on my uh, my shop. Which at, which now, like if you're watching this, and I think I don't, I think it only really shows up like if you're on a computer or like a phone or something. But if you look below the video, you should see shit that you can buy, not just old head shit. But cranked and ranked while I'm doing this. Like, I'm looking at it and we look like this, but I know on the show we look like this. Um, yeah. Cranked and ranked shit that you can buy. And, I look um, like this too. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good look. Um, so, yeah. So, we, we got merch, everybody. So, um, um, if, you're, if you're confused, you can, I don't know. I don't remember what it's called. It's um, oldhead.myspreadshop.com. And there's a UK version now which is old-head.myspreadshop.co.uk, um, which, uh, which is interesting because I learned that like certain types of things are slightly different in, uh, in the UK. Who would have thought, right? Um, no, but like the store-wise, <laughs> it's like in the, on the American store, I decided that I wanted to make the Crankton Rank shirts available kind of in our scheme. So one is in black and one is in like a fuchsia. You can get mm. like a pinkish T-shirt. But in England, they're like, no, men don't wear fuchsia. <laughs> so you, if you're if you're going to the UK store, you can only get black, unfortunately. Dang. Um, <laughs> I mean, there were other colors to choose from, but I looked at the image with those colors and I went, nah, this is lame. I'm not going to be one of those stores. It's like, here, have a have a teal shirt with us on. And I'm like, no, no, no. If you're if you're a fan of ours, you're a fan of black and fuchsia. So. Or just you know pinkish in general. Anyway, I'm sorry. That's that's <laughs> just rambling. It's been a while, so I mean, I feel I feel like I have a lot of catching up to do in general. Um, but that was the most important thing: making money. Let's uh, let's everybody buy some merch out there, um, hustling, getting yeah. the bag. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've sold we've sold we've sold some stuff. Um, I have to I have to admit, it's a little bit. It, it hurts my feelings a little bit. Most of what people want to buy is cranked and ranked stuff. Um, and not, <laughs> nobody really wants to buy a shirt with just me on it. <laughs> oh, I, I will. I'll do it. I'll, I'll wrap right. the old head nation. Um, I have one, but I felt weird wearing it. I'm like wearing me on me. That would be, you know, now I'm just, the hat just says old head. So, but you can also get a hat that actually has me on it. Um, it ain't if gay you, if it's you on you. That's, that's an Amer that's an American dad quote. <laughs> oh, is it? It's yeah. Also very, it's also very true. Like you, you, you never, you, you know, nobody ever really talks about how obsessed men are with their own junk but it's essentially you're obsessed with a with a penis <laughs> one of the funniest things i've heard recently was a guy say if you think about it one of the manliest things you can do is just fuck another guy <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's, there's some truth in that really yeah um <laughs> By the way, if you're new to this podcast, we do have tangents. Um, we do. We do. We, I, I would say we stay on course 80% of the time. But 20% of the time, all bets are off. And um, we, we may go into territories that make some people uncomfortable. I don't really know. But that, that's, the, that's just the seasoning on the cranked and ranked chicken. That's, yeah. yeah, that's true. Other people will just give you some bland chicken. We throw, mm. we throw some... 
salt. Eleven herbs man. and spices. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, so today's episode, first back uh, for 2022, is Stone Temple Pilots, which we've, we've previously done what people refer to as the big four, quote unquote, of grunge. And Stone yeah. Temple Pilots would be, a lot of people, I think they, they term them second wave grunge. Yeah. Um, which makes, it makes some sense if you're really talking about the bands that started in the 80s, then I guess... Hmm. I guess this would be um, second wave grunge. Um, but, you know, in hindsight, with the amount of time that it's been between now and back then, they seem like they're just a, an original grunge band because they were back in hmm. the when everything was happening. Their album came out. Um, so, yeah, uh, their first album anyway. So we're doing um, their eight full length studio albums because we wanted to just get this as a one and done episode. And so we're not doing any EPs, which means we're not talking about, or we're not ranking the EP they did with Chester Bennington, but we can talk about that if you would like um, yeah. at, at some point. It, uh, main thing I'd say, it's it's cool. And Chester could check, Chester could sing. And it's it's got some cool stuff on it, but yeah. <laughs> so, I'm, so, so I, my, I had never heard that EP before this last week. And, um, I'm not going to make any friends here probably, but, uh, Chester Bennington, is, Chester Bennington is a little bit of an overrated singer. Um, I realize he's dead, but I think I said it to, uh, Eddie in a, in a, in a text message, um, <laughs> being dead doesn't earn you any extra credit. So, um, I, I, I'm sad for his family and his fans and hmm. clearly he was talented, but out of the three singers that Stone Temple Pilots have had, he's the, he's the least good. And his, his voice just isn't good enough <laughs> for, for their kind of music. And so, um, I, 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 the whole, the whole thing just sort of seemed meh to me. Um, so, uh, that's my thoughts on that, <laughs> whatever that one's called. <laughs> and plus like, plus it's not legit. I, I wouldn't call it legit Stone Temple Pilots because it's, it's billed as Stone Temple Pilots with Chester Bennington. So yeah. it's almost like a collab and not necessarily like he was, was he the full on lead singer at that point? Like he got hired on to the band. I, I'm, I'm not sure because I think it was kind of up in the air as to whether or not Scott was still going to be with the band or not. Cause he, they oh, cause he was doing return. solo shit. Yeah. Well, they, they did, they did return with, with the 2010 self-titled album, but, uh, which we'll get to. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, you know, it's such a shame what happened with, uh, scott but yeah. i think it was it was a lot of stuff was up in the air and i think the substance side of things likely had it, a lot to do with it yeah it's it's a lot of like um it's an it's an unfortunate death we'll go ahead and just not talk, knock this out right now talking about scott wyland because he died several years ago from a drug overdose but he had so many problems with drugs it yeah. was it, it was kind of like you know when betty white died it was really upsetting, but at the same time, it's like bitch was ninety nine, <laughs> you know. And so with and so with Scott Weiland, it's like the dude had had his struggle, so it was it seemed like it was only a matter of time, you it, know. Before it was kind of like, happened. It, yeah. In contrast to like, because I was in college when um, Scott and Chris Cornell died, and I remember yeah. exactly where I was both of those days. Yeah, and. I, it was quite early in college with Scott because it was 2015 
And I remember sitting there, finding out about it and being bummed, but I, there was that element of, this sucks, but I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah. Like, whereas when, whereas when Chris Cornell died, on the other hand, I... I knew that at some point he'd had an issue with alcohol, but he always seemed like he kind of had it together. Like, yeah. and when he was I the found ul- out- he was the ultimate rock star to me. Yeah, I, I um. remember my friend, um, my friend Will, walking down the um, corridor, and he and he went. He walked up to me. He he was in shock, like because mm. he was a big fan. And he went, "Well, Chris Cornell is dead." And I was like. Wait, what? Like yeah. one, one? It was one of those where it's like, is was it some kind of tragic accident? It was like, uh, it's a, it's a little sadder. It's like, oh, yeah, man. and we yeah. and and honestly, and this we we discussed this a lot. We actually did for those of you who haven't listened to it yet. We ranked the Soundgarden discography, and we talked a lot about Chris Cornell. Um. But you know what? But let's not, let's leave that because we we got to give Scott Weiland his due on this yeah. episode. Um, but uh, so yeah, so the way we do that is that we rank their full length albums, starting from uh, least good or worst, all the way to what we consider their best. And so yeah. let's just fucking get started as usual. Oh wait, no, we we normally talk about where this band came into our lives all right sorry i'll be i'll be on track this is gonna be a long ass episode because i can't stay on track um it's not a very interesting story i was a i was a young teenager when their first album came out um and so i was already into nirvana and soundgarden and pearl jam and all of that shit um and metal and all sorts of stuff and so there's their album came out and i honestly didn't wasn't really that interested just because of just based off of sex type thing, I was like, okay, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that when we talk about that album. But, um, but eventually a a good friend of mine dubbed me a copy on cassette tape and said, you really should check out the whole album. And I was just like, wow, yeah, this is really good. And then, and then I was a fan from that point on. So it's pretty simple story. Um, what, what about you? Um, it's, it's funny, actually, a, this is one of the San Andreas bands. Yeah. Yeah. GTA San Andreas um, is the main reason. But I, I, I wanted to talk about this because I think you'd have been you'd have been 14 in 1992, right? Yep. Turned 14 in March of 1992. This album came to us at exactly the same age. Oh, wow. I was 14 when I first got into double pilots as well nice that's a good i mean that's a good age that's why there are so many um bands from that time period that i still love today because i almost feel like you're you're old enough to know what you like but you're not too old to start being cynical and start to give in to trends and shit and so when i was 13 14 15 years old i was just liking what i liked there was no there was no, you know, I've, I've said this a lot. There was no, you, you can't listen to the, to, to guns and roses because you're into Metallica. You can't listen. Yeah. You know, you, it's like, it's like there was, there were all these lines that were, that apparently were drawn with older people, but with me um, and my friends, it was just like, yeah, we, we, I, I'm wearing a Pearl Jam shirt while listening to obituary. That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
So that's a good age. And um, that was, mm. you know, which is which let's, let's go ahead and say it. That is now, well, not for you, but 14 years old, that is now 30 years ago, 1992. All of the, all of these amazing albums that came out in 1992 are now 30 years old, which makes me um, in March, I will be 44 years old. <laughs> that's uh all right, I guess, um, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm 44, but I still, I still can take solace in the fact that people will still comment on my videos. Like, you don't look old. You can't name yourself old head if you're not old. <laughs> oh, dude. Right. Anyway. So, yeah, let's jump right into it. Number eight. What's your number eight? <laughs> let's do uh, this. Stone Temple Pilots album. See, the, here's the thing. And, and I want to I make this very clear. I don't know if this is a hot take or not. Okay. Because people seem to have... This is one of those bands where anyone's list could be different. Like, I've seen lists where people put core at the top and ones where people put core way down at the bottom. Right? Yeah. Right? Here's the thing. I haven't seen something I can truly form a general consensus on apart from the group of people that think they're a Pearl Jam knockoff, right? They're the only ones that seem to be set in any kind of this sucks and this is why kind of mindset, yeah. you know? Yeah. Everybody else is kind of like, hey, you like what you like. These guys are assholes. <laughs> also, 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 that's a that's an opinion that everybody grew out of in 1994, like we yep. like a lot of us had that opinion in 1992, mm. um, but by 1994 everyone was like, okay, they're their own band. So that if anyone's mm -hmm. still clinging on to that opinion, then you just don't know what you're talking about, and you sound like a fool. So uh, go ahead, pow. So my number eight is Tiny Music songs from the Vatican gift shop. The, uh, the, putting it this low might be a hot take, but. I'm I I'm 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 willing to hear you out. Here's the thing, I'll, I'll do my track by track, and then I'll kind of ex explain at the end. Um, okay. So, you got press play, which is this cool lounge funk kind of intro, and it kind of kind of picks up where we left off with like twelve gracious melodies at the yeah. end of yeah, um, purple, but then you get pop love suicide. It's like a groovy kind of alt rock track. It feels like they've adopted a slight 70s-ish aesthetic paired with their mid-90s alternative stuff yeah. so it's kind of this like kind of this like old school glam rock meets alternative rock in the mid-90s um then you get tumble in the rough like by this point they'd completely shed their grunge thing this is a very dry 90s alternative record yeah and while i respect their evolution like I respect the thought of not doing the same shit twice. Yeah. I do miss the heavier edge of their earlier stuff mm -hmm. on this record. Um, there is a cool descending guitar riff in the chorus though. Um, big bang baby is this stomping fun clap along kind of track. Lady picture show is a total mid nineties ballad. Uh, and so I know now I will say that guitar, that clean guitar tone that sounds smooth as all hell. That's that's ear candy right there. Yeah. Uh, tripping on a hole in a paper heart. This was the big hit for the album, but yeah. 
it's the only one I think of when this album comes up. Yeah. Because there's compared to the like to the previous two there's not a whole lot on this record i find very memorable at all Mm -hmm. uh art school girl is like mellow it does have some heavy parts in it but it's it's marginally heavier adhesive is a big kind of vibey one ride the cliche i will say that the riff in that is pretty sick um daisy is this chill little instrumental and Seven Cage of Tigers is a groovy alt rock kind of closer. It it's it's one of those albums that I thought was going to be a grower for me, but mm-hmm. it still falls a bit short of what I feel about my top picks. Like seeing as some of the album has, well, most of the album has such a middle of the road, inoffensive either way kind of feel. Mm-hmm. like it it doesn't go very hard in any one direction it's just kind of like it's a bit bland to my ears um like above all else this album does have cool moments but i don't feel like the songs on it have enough going for them aside from maybe like one or two mm-hmm. like it's really really the only choruses i can think of on this album is is pop love suicide and dropping on a hole in a paper heart and i've heard this album at least once a year for yeah. the last uh nine years and I, I i've just never never really taken to it the way i do the others yeah so i've got a theory on why that is i'm gonna save that for when i talk about this album because there's a, I, to me there's a reason why the song a lot of the songs aren't very memorable um but i'll get to that because i i agree with a lot of what you said but it's not my not my number eight. Um, uh, just to quickly move on. I, I, I'm going to apologize in advance for starting the first episode of 2022 off on a, uh, a sour note. But um, <laughs> my number eight is the most recent album from 2020, and it's called Perdida. Um, this is a piece of shit. Like, um, wow, okay. It, like, I'm sorry. Like I, I knew nothing about this album. I had never heard it. And the first song has some of the most generic, bland, boring, rehashed nonsense songwriting to the point where like my note, I start writing notes as I'm listening to the album and it just says first song. No, that's all it says. (laughs) So this is a, this is the, they decided to do a mellow acoustic album uh, and they have they have a new you know full time vocalist whose name is Jeff Gutt, who is a perfectly good singer. He was in like a new metal band I think or something uh, prior to this. Maybe they weren't new metal, but they were you know they were a, an alt in heavy that kind alt of band. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. what they were called, but he was in a band like that. Anyway, so they did this whole mellow acoustic album, and they're. The, in the description that I saw, the one thing they made sure that everybody knew was that this was recorded on vintage instruments, which if you know anything about making good music, the instruments <laughs> you play it on don't fucking matter, especially <laughs> this day and age in the studio. And then on top of that, if you were mixing vintage instruments with vintage ideas that have already been done to death numerous times before by hundreds of other artists then you literally have a bland, generic, middle, 
of the road, middle-aged, self-indulgent musician album, which is what this is. It's literally old dudes who are like, we know about instruments and recording processes and stuff. Um, we've <laughs> kind of forgotten how to write interesting songs, but that doesn't matter. And so that's what this album is. It is a painfully boring album. And and I and I, I I'm all about bands doing something different. But the the one thing I'm gonna have to say is the problem with Stone Temple Pilots because I, I would consider myself a fan, otherwise I wouldn't care. But <laughs> when they they're a band that if they don't if they push themselves to do something that isn't a natural progress progression, it always comes up feeling phoned in and fake and heavy handed. Mm. And that's what this album is. It's like um it's just, I will never listen to this album again. Like I barely got through it one time and um, it's just so, it's so boring. It's, and it's, there's, and it's just uninspired and, but I, but the one thing that you can say is that those dudes, uh, uh, Dean, Dean DeLeo, Robert DeLeo, what's the drummer's name? Eric something. Eric Kretz. Eric Kretz. Really fucking talented dudes. I mean, a, yeah. a great band, no matter what singer is in the band, those guys playing together sounds really good. And they always work with good producers. The sound's always good. They're, they're, they're dudes that know what the fuck they're doing, but something has happened songwriting wise where there's a spark that's just not there anymore. And I can't fault them for it. Like, why would you want to just stop doing things if you like making music, but nothing's really like, nothing new and interesting is really coming out of you. I, I understand you don't want to stop. And there are fans that are lifelong stone temple pilots fans. And they probably like this album because, you know, if you're a, if you're a big fan of a band, even their missteps become things that, you know, you enjoy for whatever reason. But from my point of view, where I'm somebody who um, I'm a fan, but I'm not like a diehard fan. Um, albums like this just make me really, weary of them continuing doing anything so that's my number eight um perdita from 2020 that was brutal <laughs> <laughs> that's normally not me but if but if but if but i had such a visceral reaction i was almost i was almost angry listening to this album like <laughs> god damn it why do they have to do this and so um so that's why i was like you know what i'm just gonna be honest about it and that's 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 my that's all i have to say about that I I think also I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to it for now, but I think <laughs> I I have a theory as, as to why you don't like that one. I like it a little bit more, but mm -hmm. I I think I think I have a an idea of why because there was okay. a particularly uh, <laughs> it was I, I don't know how to describe it other than um, Leonard Skinner backing singers at one point. Like oh sort of thing. You know, on, honestly, like that doesn't bother me that much. Like I, but but like, there is a slight, there is certain things that seep in every now and again, and I was thinking, yeah, he's not gonna like this. <laughs> <laughs> not not a fan yeah. of the southern rock, but I but but you know, I don't know. Here and there, there are songs that I like, but overall, that's not my thing. <laughs> right on. Um, so for my number seven. I have got 2001's Shangri-La-Di-Da. Wow. 
I'm, I'm, our, our, our lists are going to be different. This is, this is cool. Now, my main reason for having this one here is because it feels like a bit of a step backwards, but not a full step backwards. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like if Megadeth, when they went back from Risk to World Needs a Hero, they still had another disco song on there, even <laughs> though the rest of it was thrash. Yeah. And so where, where I'm driving at here is like it, the album does itself a real disservice by opening up with dumb love because the thing is song. yeah coming off of the heels of number four where they went back to the hard rock thing mm. on the heels of tiny music this is like this song is could have been up there as one of the heaviest on number four were it on number four yeah but it opens this album which it the heaviness peaks at track one and it just gets uh, it gets <laughs> yeah. mellower and mellower as the album goes and the, the problem with that is if you come here looking for a rocking kind of album from them it's you're gonna get an ep's worth of material out of it because mm -hmm. that riff opening up like whoa yeah filthy like way riff. to open the open the album but then you get um days of the week which is like oh a, a catchy one very radio friendly kind of almost pop punkish um early 2000s alt rock song mm -hmm. then you get coma which is like imagine like post grunge but with like a groove metal co uh, chorus in there with a little bit of an immigrant song thing happening with uh <laughs> i wrote scoot wayland in my in my notes <laughs> that's, his, that's oh. his his younger brother scoot wayland scooter scooter get it here do the vocals oh <laughs> uh, but yeah it uh but after this point though it becomes another thing of it's it jumps back to where I feel tiny music kind of fell for me. Um, Cause you get Hollywood bitch is this kind of alt rock song. Wonderful <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I just, I just, I just, I hate song titles like that with a passion. Hollywood yeah. bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just so, especially, especially in this millennium, if you're writing a yeah. song called the Hollywood bitch, then you're okay. Come on. Here's the thing, right? Like, if if Guns N' Roses or, like, L.A. Guns wrote a song called Hollywood Bitch, I yeah. bet it would fucking rule. But the thing is, when you title it something like, Hollywood Bitch! And then it sounds like, you know, early 2000s post-grunge. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, uh, you get Wonderful, which is this kind of psychedelic-ish ballad i will say if you're looking for some like kind of vibey stuff i will say they do deliver on here with mm -hmm. like black again is another vibey psychedelic one and then hello it's late is another vibey one but they it all kind of becomes a vibe like it it starts like a songs album and i feel a little bit lied to <laughs> you know yeah um you get too cool queenie is this vibey rocker like the heaviness is really only present 
in the first few songs regeneration slow alt groover bipolar bear <laughs> is a is a i mean they, funny they, they should title. they should they should lose a point for that fucking title yeah. too <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, how many like, times? I mean, it's like I almost feel like thousands of other songwriters had written that title down. Bipolar Bear. That's fu- no, it's not, and they scratched it out. <laughs> <laughs> These fuckers had the balls yeah. to throw it out there, but uh, yeah, it's it's still kind of it's one of those song titles where you where you're like that. It's kind of like the sort of thing that you would see a kid come up with and be like, "Cool song title." Yeah. <laughs> Just did a twelve-year-old Dave. Yeah, if that, if that song title was on Silverchair's first album, then I'd be okay with that because they were yeah. they, they were young teenagers and they were they probably yeah. thought that's kind of funny. Bipolar Bear, throw it on there. <laughs> These are fucking uh, grown-ass men. No yeah. excuse. <laughs> Five albums in at this stage too. <laughs> it's like Transmissions from a Lonely Room is a bit more rocking. It's still in that kind of psyched vibe though. Yeah, uh, a song for sleeping. That's a very early 2000s beat. Like there, there's a little bit of a like kind of 2000s R&B kind of thing going on in there in the rhythm to it. And I'm thinking, how long how long is it before Fergie turns up and starts <laughs> like... <laughs> they, uh, they should have named that whole last album Songs for Sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Like, Long Way Home is this slow groovy closer and and i feel like this this album it, it's slightly heavier than tiny music aside from the opener mm-hmm. they kind of gone they have they they did take another step backwards in my opinion it did it didn't really feel like an evolution it felt like um a regression if anything um and like i said i honestly think they shot themselves in the foot opening so heavily because you get past track three and it's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, dumb love is awesome. Days of the week is catchy and coma has some cool stuff in it. Um, I, I That's think about if, it though. If I remember right, I think this was the album where they, they claimed that they had a double albums worth of material, but the record label made them just put out one album. And I'm all like, I wonder what, maybe there were other heavy songs and they, the ones they felt were the strongest just happened to be heavily on the, the Mm. more of their psychedelic groovy side of things. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't disagree with really anything you've said, but that's not my number seven. Um, for my number seven, we're, we're just going to totally get, uh, Jeff gut the fuck out of here because my number seven is, uh, is the, the self-titled stone temple pilots album from 2018. Uh, the okay. first with Jeff Jeff Gut on uh, I would I would think about changing that name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's great. I'm sure he's nice. Um, yeah. So uh, the the I, I this I think when I when I did my notes for this one in my ranking, this was the second time I had heard this album, and I had the same thought that I had the first time, which is. I don't really like the fact that it seems like he's trying to sound similar to Scott Weiland at times. Um, mm, yeah. It sounds a little bit forced. It's kind of like Scott Weiland, only less interesting. Um, and he's a, <laughs> but he's a, he's a perfectly capable vocalist. Like I can't, you know, I can't fault him for that. Um, but vocals aside, like, you know, like I said before, the other three dudes 
are still a really great band. Like they just sound really good playing together. Um, my my biggest problem with this album is that there are a lot of great parts, but not really a lot of great complete songs. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be a good verse followed up by an underwhelming chorus or vice versa, um, or just a song that's just utterly forgettable to begin with. Um, I would say it's a respectable return and a respectable introduction of a new vocalist, but um, it's not anywhere good enough for me to be fully invested in this version of Stone Temple Pilots. Like, I I don't care now. I'm just like, yeah. Um, and after Perdita, I'm just totally off. Um, they're going to have to come back with something that just completely blows me away to, to bring bring me back because I, I really do think, for the most part, a good part of this album is pretty forgettable. And they are, they, yeah, once Tiny Music happened, they always tried too much to flirt with this um, let, let's remind everybody that we also really like the Beatles kind mm. of thing, which so many yeah. bands do that. And is that's the thing that's like annoying. I think that is the number one reason why so many people... Um, we'll talk shit about the Beatles. It has nothing to do with the Beatles. It has to do with pretentious ass musicians who, when, when yeah. they reach a point when they're trying to prove themselves, they all become Beatlesque, and yeah. um, that's lame, but this is not, a, it's not a lame album. Honestly, Perdita is the only one that I would fully say I will never listen to again. If this one came on, it's fine. Uh, but we're now comparing a fine Stone Temple Pilots album to once we get to my number one, an album that I would refer to as a perfect album. So, you know, <laughs> it's a it's a big gap there. So that's my number seven. Uh, the self titled, the second self titled album they did. Funny enough, um, but this one's from twenty eighteen. Cool. So uh, my number six. Now I want to state here, right? My number six and number five are on exactly the same wavelength. I okay. like both. I like both completely equally. And if mm-hmm. it wasn't for the fact there's something that puts one above the other from a totally non-musical aspect, okay, it is. It there is just one has. A bit of an uplifting vibe and one makes me kind of sad so okay slap bang pretty much right here i have both of the self-titled albums but one has to be number six one has to be number six and my number six is the 2010 stone temple pilot album. Oh, hey. yeah. which we were just with- i'll just hand it over to you boom Yep. So this is the one with the little the the peace sign from on one. The, yeah, yeah. From one yeah. self title to another self title. Although I think isn't this the one right before it? Like they did yeah, two self titles yeah. in a row. Like boom. Yeah. 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 Which is one of the cheekiest things I've ever seen a band do on this show. <laughs> uh, uh, because I was so sure I was going to screw up and I was going to have all of the notes for one of them and it was going to be the wrong album. <laughs> so um, yeah. Stone Temple Pilots 2010. Uh, the reason I put this one lower is because it makes me sad that things didn't work out in the end for Scott. Yeah. That yeah. he he lost his 
battle with addiction and that and that sucks i before we did the listening to this episode for this episode i had never listened to this album so i went into this one and their two most recent records with a completely open mind and i enjoyed all all three I mean, I, I but, mean, if it if it makes you feel any better, he he was kicked out of the band before he died. So it's not like dying is what ended his reign with uh, with Stone Temple Pilots. They had had it, they had had it with his shit. <laughs> they got I'm, rid of I'm, him. I'm just basically I'm 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 putting it out there that both the both self titleds they're on an equal playing field in my okay. in my okay. opinion. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, this one has a sad aura that it was Scott's last. So. Yeah. Between the Lines is this, like, cool rocker with a very Nirvana stay away part in it. It's, it's clearly he, it's clearly an homage to stay away because he does the go away. Yeah. Like, he does that part. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Take a load off. This one harkens back to kind of the purple era with, like, a slightly jangly core thing, thing going on in there, too. A core type thing. Little, little joke there for you. Ah, uh, you, <laughs> um, you get Huckleberry Crumble. Like that has a groovy ass riff in it. Love the riff. Hickory Dichotomy, uh, upbeat, plodding rocker. Dare if you dare. Kind of ballady, dreamy rock track. Uh, Cinnamon. Now Scott sounds uh, kind of British on this track at points. Uh, yeah. There's like there is a slight. Um, british invasion vibe to him in this one um hazy days holy shit i thought that was tom morello like for a minute there there's something to the way it's played this is some very rage-esque riffing in this song uh bagman plodding alt rocker peacoat another plodding alt rocker (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the thing there's a lot of times in this discography where i'll go something another something because every now and again they would just like group tracks together but um fast as i can is reminiscent of up tempo mid 90s Soundgarden a little bit uh first kiss on mars mellow kind of poppy rock track Maver, nice mellow track, about a four, another... This is the thing with this album. It's like an inverted Shangri-La-Dida, where Mm -hmm. most of it is pretty rocking, and then at the end, it kind of... It's kind of like the cool-down from a workout, where the last few bits are a little more easygoing. Um, About a four, yeah. Quite, Quite a nice... It's a nice return to form, but it's, it, it, t- to me, it's just kind of like what could have been if things didn't pan out the way they unfortunately did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm going to continue with you from you. on What of what, what, what words am I saying? Um, my number six is also... New, new batteries in Steven. <laughs> my, my number six is also the 2010 Stone Tubal Pilots album, which means that we're literally going to talk about self-titled albums four in a row (laughs) just get them all right here um yeah yeah it's my it's my number six and um i i agree with a lot of of what you said um i like this album um it's got a good energy to it but i think my biggest problem with this uh is the fact that 
Overall, it's just it's a little bit more of the same. Like they they got to a yeah. point where they had these two sort of you know levels of Stone Temple pilots. One is the heavier stuff, and the other is we like seventies glam and the Beatles yeah. and stuff. And so, on some albums, they did a really good job of when they did those kind of uh of throwback sounding songs they they were cool songs and they sounded unique to stone Temple pilots but the the thing that that um is lame about a lot of the ones that they did over the years is the fact that a lot of them sound so similar to songs that already exist yeah that it really bums me out um so so it's like it's some of it's like it's 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 weird. Like if you if you're gonna do a throwback sound, I I understand that. But at the same time, if you're just making songs that sound a lot like songs that you're already trying to emulate, it's like, well, what is the is it just make your song just becomes it cancels your song out completely. And <laughs> and, and when you're doing that alongside of more rocking and interesting songs, like now to to be fair, like. The heavy heavier doesn't always mean better, um, but in the case of Stone Temple Pilots, I feel like there's there's a an energy to their stuff when it clicks, and then when it doesn't click, it just it just really it, you know it's you it, you might as well just like be a breeze that just blows past you and then you don't even remember the song anymore. Hmm. Um, and this album is like that where it's hit it's very hit or miss. Some of the songs are really cool. Some of them, I'm just like, why are they still doing this shit? But the one thing I have to say from my point of view, the thing that keeps this album from being uh, dull is Scott Weiland. So it's very mm. clear that they needed him in this band because I feel like his his vocals, like his idea for vocals and lyrics, because from, from what I know... You know, the other dudes would write songs and sometimes they would have vocal ideas and they would leave it up to Scott whether or not he would go with what they were doing or do his own thing. And a lot of times he would have a completely different idea than what they were thinking of when they wrote the song. And that's why I think Stuntable Pilots is is such a unique band, because I, I really do think that all four of them were coming at things from kind of a different area altogether. Yeah. And so you take Scott's brain out of it. And it's missing something. It's missing mm-hmm. the uniqueness that makes it Stone Temple Pilots. It's not just his voice. It's his approach. And so as much as I thought this album was just kind of like, yeah, it's, it's all right. Um, it, it, like I'm with you where it's kind of sad that this was the last thing he got to do with them, especially because everything they did past this, I'm just like, we'll th- throw that. Just get rid of that. <laughs> I, I would say delete that. Um <laughs> So yeah, so it's it's, it's my yeah, it's my number number six. It's it's a fine album. It's just um, to me, this is uh, like you you were talking about Shangri La Di Da being a bit of a st- step back, but to me, this album is an even bigger step back. Where hmm. they're doing a lot of the same shit they've already done, but the songwriting just isn't there to back it up, and so um, that's why it's my number six. And and that leads us all the way. We're coming full circle around to the other self-titled album for you, right? <laughs> yep. So um, 
This is the self-titled Stone Temple Pilots album from 2018. One with butterfly five, right? on it. Is that where we are? Number five? Number five, yeah. Number so, five. Uh, Johnny Five is alive. The, the, the amount of times in episodes that the amount of times in our episodes that we've referenced short short circuit, I probably should go back and watch at least the first one again because it's been I haven't seen short circuit probably since I was a teenager. So uh, me, I'm a I'm a short circuit two guy. That, I know we've, moved, we've we've talked that about that. Fucking hell yeah! <laughs> also, I know I've probably mentioned it in the past. I was traumatized when they beat him up, like mm-hmm. like when they beat him up in the second one, and he picks up that rock and like I can't remember the dude's name. And he comes up to him and he's like, oh my God, Johnny, what happened to you? He's, he's like, he looks over at him like all sad. And he literally like, I thought like when I first saw it as a kid, oh, he's going to write something funny. He's going to, he's going to write something like I've had seen better days or something like that. Yeah. I'm too or, old or, for this shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, and the poor guy just writes out dying. And I was like. Ah. <laughs> which, which funny enough like as a robot like it, it seems like it would take way more energy to, to pick up something and write than to just say dying you know but you That's know whatever thing, man. i'm not a movie he was more I'm not a movie human he was more human. human than any of the <laughs> more human than human <laughs> white zombie coming soon probably Hell not. yeah <laughs> eventually ah <laughs> oh, i got a funny white zombie story real quick Tangent, Holy tangent shit. alert! Woo-woo. All right, white zombie. Hey, you know what? Let's let's we can we can tie this in with their album. I think La Sexorcisto is thirty years old this year too. So there you go. It is ninety two, and I was I was sat in. I think it was like it was the waiting room for the uh, like on campus counselor or something and i i was waiting there to to see my friend she was she was coming out of there um and it was so funny like no word of a lie the whatever was on the radio was on some good shit because here's the thing it went straight from like i can't remember specifically what it was it was probably like a britney spears song but i think someone had something on shuffle and it immediately after, like, like, hit me, baby, one more time, all of a sudden, and I was like, White Zombie is playing in the fucking waiting room. And I got a little bit into it, and I was the only guy there. And I and I was just kind of there, just like, fuck yeah. And yeah. then, like, the counselor comes out and sees me, and I've got my hair, hair down, and I'm there like, fuck yeah. And she's like, uh, who are you? I'm like... Oh, sorry, white zombie. It was on. <laughs> I can't help myself. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that was that was uh, that was a fun day. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so back to it. Stone Temple Pilots, twenty eighteen, Butterfly fucking yeah. album. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, right out of the gate, you can tell Jeff Gut has a very similar vocal delivery to Scott, but the dude can fucking sing and and tonally if you were to replace an instrument he is a perfect fit for the band whether or not he has the iconic charisma of scott Mm -hmm. is you know debatable 
but um, <laughs> he the dude can fucking sing. Um, middle of nowhere, coming in strong with a burst of energy, really playing with the stereo field. And this song, like, there's a lot of stuff coming from all directions. And like, I know every every album you hear since stereo was a thing like of course there's panning going on but i find with some albums it's more noticeable than others and mm-hmm. on this one it's very noticeable especially this song um but yeah uh guilty is kind of rocking and jangly at points meadow is just kind of driving rock tempo alt rocker just a little lie this song has a little bit of that core vibe in its veins like this this is the sort of thing that made me pick this album a little bit higher because it was like oh there's a there's a little bit of that i haven't heard for a while uh six eight has some mega riffage going on thought Which she'd that, be mine once is, again once again they also lose a point if you don't name a song after the fucking key the tempo of the song or whatever that just seems yeah. so <laughs> i know a lot of bands have done it and there are some great songs that are named like that but for the most part it's like that's lazy come on yeah <laughs> music theory i'm just like, gonna i'm just i'm gonna put out an album where all the songs are just called four four yeah <laughs> uh i was i was reminded today of that uh was it four three three that like uh john cage performance where it's like the dude composed a piece of music, but it's literally four, four and a half straight minutes of him just sitting at a piano doing fuck all, like nothing. Have you ever seen that? No. <laughs> it's it's like a it's like a art piece kind of fuck you kind of thing, but yeah, I remember learning about it and thinking, I mean, there is that thing of why not but <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's the thing is that like you i i would never tell anybody to not do something well i mean yeah mus- musically speaking because yeah, if yeah. like if it, if it if you really feel it and you want to make whatever statement it is you're wanting to make or no statement at all if you just want to phone it in do it because you know <laughs> i have the uh, freedom to not listen to it or watch it or whatever <laughs> uh i was i was just thinking there like there's a few jokes I could have made there, but they're a little they're they're a little triple X for this show. <laughs> I mean, but, I, uh, I mean, I, I don't I don't mind, but you know, there's, I, may, what if we become really popular with the children? <laughs> that's the, that's the thing. We're we're branching out, people. <laughs> Wayne's World is for, filmed before a live studio audience <laughs> when they bring in like the fucking sign. Yeah, sponsored by Noah's Arcade. Party on, Wayne. Uh, I got to stop here because I'm going to quote the whole movie from there. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I, every, every time I, you know, like I like I love that movie. It's one of my favorite ever. But like when 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 we get to that section of the movie, I'm all like, I'd fucking like if they somebody wanted us to sell out this show, I'd be like, mm. yeah, fork over the money and let's do. It. Like, what do you need me to do? You need me to 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 have a sponsor that I that we make him feel like he's awesome. Okay, do it. Do you want to write a <laughs> shitty theme song? Cool. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> we should give me that we fucking should, money. We should for like one one episode do the like completely rewrite that land of disease riff and just like turn it into a, a like a cheesy eighties sitcom intro. Oh man, that would be <laughs> <great>. <laughs> That'd be funny. Shit, if we if but, we had the budget, if somebody ever came to us and said, 
you know, you, you, we love your podcast. We want to throw all this money your way to do whatever you want to do. Um, and I would be like, cool. Well, I want to film multiple opening theme songs because I because we got to have a sitcom one. I want to have one where it's like a 70s cop show where we're doing hood slides oh, and shit. Um, yes. Like, yeah. And I, w- I would want to like do all these different things and just like, yeah, let's 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 have fun with it. If you're throwing the money our way, let's spend it. And so. Uh, oh, and, yeah. And, oh, and then and then maybe we'd have like cool guests also. That would be that'd be the dream, really. To that the dream would be here's when here's when if we ever get to this point, I'm gonna lay this out right now for you. If we mm-hmm. if this ever happens, we can look at each other and I can say we can die now. So <laughs> here, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> Here, here's the here's the scenario. Where we've we've been bought by some big company, we have all this money coming our way. We have a popular show that's, you know, maybe we even made it to like uh, Hulu or Netflix or something, doing our own thing. Um, and the episode that we're doing is we're we're ranking uh, all of the Megadeth albums with James Hetfield, like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a discussion with you, me, and James about all of the Megadeth albums. I would just look at you and be like, "Where do we go from here?" <laughs> we might but as we'd well have just it, stop. We'd have it like like the Jerry Springer show, where like you know Dave's in the other room and he walks on and we get him that, to fight. That, well, that would be that would be interesting, ding, but, ding. I but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even want that. I would. I would honestly just want to like have a discussion about all their albums with James Hetfield because like. Um, you know, and, 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 and we'd be such a big deal that he would be brutally honest about how he felt about everything. Cause he seems like a dude that he's not going to talk a lot of shit, but you know, occasionally you get those little nuggets <laughs> of him, you know, really giving an opinion. And, uh, and that would be, cause literally that would be us. <laughs> <laughs> that would just be fucking just... interesting as hell. And that would be as far as, uh, as far as I wanted to go. Yeah. I heard it first on the Cranked and Ranked show. <laughs> so uh, eventually, that, one one day maybe we'll get there. I, I highly doubt it, but you know we'll probably end up, you know, doing the discography of Shotgun Messiah, uh, along with <laughs> yeah. the vocalist of of uh, um, fuck I don't know um, uh, the 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 drummer of Quiet Riot. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. It's like, you know, what's the drummer of Quiet Right? He's well known. I don't remember his name. Oh, um, fuck. I feel like such a bad person. Hang on. Hang on. Also, mid, uh, mid, also mid show. Somebody, somebody give me a point for Shotgun Messiah because that's a. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's a, that's a deep dig, deep dive uh, reference right there. Frankie Benali. That's the yeah. yeah, That's the nice. guy. Not to say yeah. that he's not to say that he's an easy get. Uh, I'm sure he's not, but you know that I I just was trying to think of something that would just be kind of like not very interesting because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I, you know, I don't I'm not really in, in, really into Quiet Riot, and I don't really care what the drummer thinks about Shotgun Messiah, um, if he it's even like, knows who they are. So the big question on everybody's mind, Frankie. How much cocaine do you need to do to get enough reverb? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. That would be a pretty fun uh, interview. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to burn bridges right now. Frankie, we will happily uh, do a, an episode with you if you're. Get them on. Get them on yeah. the show. Yeah. Where cool. were we? <laughs> uh, we were at, uh, I think, Thought She'd Be Mine. Uh, psychedelic kind of ballad. 
uh, Roll Me Under is this rockin' viber. Like, count me in for that stuff. That fucking chorus is awesome. Uh, Never Enough, that groove, the solo is really good too. Very blues rock. Uh, And this is kind of similar. See, this is my thing about uh, two tracks together. The Art of Letting Go, Vibed Out Ballad, Finest Hour, another Mm. nice vibed out ballad. Yeah. Um, Good Shoes, twangy, groovy rock song, and Reds and Blues is this acoustic-led ballady closer. It, it again, it's that kind of cool down sort of thing. It it's good. It, it's good. I'm not I'm not gonna say it's not because like yeah, I, it takes a lot of work to make an album, and I enjoyed it. It's it's not on the levels of my top picks, but. I can see myself listening to this again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, it's fair enough, but, uh, obviously, well, what we took, we took care of all the self-titled albums. So, um, now we can move on to, to things with titles. All two of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, my number five, so, it, so this is probably the last one that I really have like major gripes about. Um, my number five mm-hmm. is uh, Tiny Music Songs from hey. Vatican Gift Shop from 1996. So Lay when, this al- when this album came out, um, I was I think I had just graduated from high school and um, I still paid a lot of attention to the modern rock music that was um, coming out. You know, I, I still watched MTV in 1996, even though. It was slowly moving towards something that I wasn't interested in, but um, I remember when the 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 video for uh, Big Bang Baby premiered. Um, maybe it wasn't the premiere, but you know it came out, and I saw it several times. And I just remember feeling very like, why? Um, because <laughs> what what it what it was. And what it still seems like today, because in 1996, the one thing that you were seeing a lot from a lot of bands that were either grunge or heavier bands or whatever, a lot of these groups that for some reason didn't want to be associated with people who also liked metal, they all started pulling away and pretending that they never made heavy music and all hiding behind this thing of like, the next album is going to be very Beatlesque and experimental, and <laughs> at the, even in 1996, I was just like, oh, "I'm fucking a fucking another one of these bands mm. that are like no, nobody seems to be taking it seriously." Now we're just going to make a collection of songs that all sound like other songs from the 70s, and that piece of pie never happened, guys. We never did that. We never yeah. did a riff, and, like- and I'm, I'm not saying that that's what they meant. But you listen to this album and it is an obvious attempt to move away from grunge. There's no grunge on this album. And Wyland's vocals all of a sudden changed where he had this higher and tighter delivery where it's almost like he was keeping himself from sounding like a good singer now to where his voice (laughs) used to be big and full and he had vibrato and he sounded really great. Now he's now he's on like this. I'm gonna sing like this, and I'm like, yeah. you don't need to do that. That hurt my throat. <laughs> <laughs> it's called four Scott, straight years of Scott, smoking like a it? chimney. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
I do appreciate right. the fact that he, he can do he, different was, kinds of vocals, but mm. but um, I, I appreciate that he can't. That's that's the thing. This hits number five because in the story of Stone Temple Pilots, I like that this is a a different chapter. Everybody mm. came at us with something different. Now that being said. I've said this already, like like throwbacks are fine, but if they're throwbacks that sound exactly like songs that you're already, that have already been made and yeah. it's, you know, it just, it just becomes a thing where it's just like, this isn't even, it, this doesn't even need to exist. And, but I have to admit it, this, this album does have a fun energy. If you get past that part that it's, mm. it's a lot of retread stuff. It's it's a fun album, but it, it's hard to get past the fact that this is a band, and that they're not the only ones that are guilty of this, but this is a band that was part of something new. Like, whatever, yeah. whatever you want to call it, even if you want to do like we've done where we nitpick what actually sounds like grunge and what's just alternative rock or what's heavy alternative rock or whatever, they were a part of this thing that was new. It was it was it was a, a popular thing. It was a new thing, and they were part of it. And then all of a sudden, just deciding to retreat to an old thing that has already been done, and then do it very similar to how it was already done. Like it just seems, it seems really lame. <laughs> even even today, <laughs> it seemed lame back then, and it seems lame now. Um, but uh, but you know, I give them credit. Doing something different is good, but relying on things that have already been done to death just makes for a kind of, um, even if it's done really well, it's still kind of a, a underwhelming album. And um, there, uh, a, a big thing, and I'm going to agree with you on this, um, Tripping on a Hole in a Paper Heart, it's weird because that song is amazing. And it's almost like it's an island of Stone Temple Pilots in the middle of a sea yeah. of shit that isn't Stone Temple Pilots. <laughs> that is exactly that that is exactly how I feel about it too. It is the only major standout track on that album to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so um the this this I, I give them credit for for whatever whatever their reasoning was, because I'm pretty sure it wasn't all just um grunge isn't cool anymore. I'm sure they you know th- I'm sure they all had many influences, but um, from a from a fan standpoint at the time, I was just like, yeah, this is not it's not an it's not experimentation or progression in a way that is interesting. It's in a way mm. that is bland and overdone. Um, and it does this album does have its moments, but it is a big step down from yeah. the album, two albums prior to this. And I don't yeah, I don't think a band should continue to do the same shit over and over again. Um but if you're really breaking things down, um, when it comes to to the quality of the songwriting, the originality behind it, the 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 yeah. um, the execution, all of it, this album is just it, it's just it doesn't doesn't cut it. So um, so I like things about it. I don't like things about it. It sits at number five. Uh, Tiny music. So there you go, man. That. <clears throat> That that Wyland impression really fucking did a number on my throat. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up as well because I for- completely forgot to mention it. Like on something like Core, for example, he sounds really full, 
really he really bellows out what he's you know singing yeah of course you know there there is that element of um you know you could attribute it to the fact that that was very popular the yarl yeah it was very popular very quickly in the early well, 90s. Well, but the thi- but the thing is, but you could you you could make you could accuse him of yarling on core, but not on purple. That that's where I was going with it. Like yeah. he, he even on even on purple, he still has like a fullness to the way he delivers it. He's like yeah, he goes from yarling to crooning, but it works. Yeah, and to me to me it's kind of like. Um, it's not as drastic of a difference, but it's kind of like going from the real thing into Angel Dust and finally hearing Mike yeah. Patton's full voice, how he sings when he just sings, and um, and Purple is where that went, and then all of a sudden it's like it's like Tiny Music is the real thing, where all of a sudden like yes. Scott just decides to do a different voice for some weird <laughs> reason. <laughs> it's it's kind of like as well. I'm glad you brought up Faith No More because I was also going to mention it. Like, <laughs> we're on the same wavelength, dude. Um, basically, it's that whole thing of you you don't want a band to make the same album twice, but on the flip side, you still want a li- you want what makes them special to stay there. So, yeah. like, I I wouldn't want to hear Faith No More. For for example, nearly as much if Billy and Mike Borden weren't there because they are the absolute heart of everything going on there. Yeah, simply. But yeah. To be to be fair though, if a band like Faith No More decided our next album is all going to be throwback seventies glam music, you know that at least the songwriting would be good, and it wouldn't yeah. just sound like songs that already existed from the seventies. They would be taking aspects and making them new. This album didn't do that. They took aspects, mm. made them the same. <laughs> yeah. And then there's your album. So that's the thing. It 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 just feels there's an authenticity that isn't quite there. Yeah. 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 It's a little it's a little it's a little heavy handed, as they say, when it comes to trying to do something different, but you sound you sound evil. Laugh laugh again right now. I'm gonna put that in the episode. Does it sound cool? It's yeah. It sounds it sounds de- demonic and I'm, and weird and psychedelic at the same time. I'm gonna do the Aussie laugh. Shut up! All right. That's uh, now we're now we're now we're back. We're back. Um, oh, we're back with uh, with Eddie Sparks and his number four Stone Temple Pilots album. Number four, Perdita. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand how this album got this high, but maybe you were really high when you listened to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, i i have I have a defense for this album, and I think. It's did defense. you get laid during this album? Does it have a really nice a nice vibe to it because of that? This is one of few albums I don't get I haven't been laid to. Uh, <laughs> one of few. <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, so the reason this is number four mm-hmm. is and why it sits here is granted, 
there is a pretentious edge to the whole we used vintage instruments which gives us bonus points no could have done without that could have done without any any layers of of we use this and that's why it's good um, I mean the the average the average everyday music listener. If you play a guitar from the 1800s and then play one that was made last year, most people will not be able to really tell the difference. I, so. I remember, uh, yeah, I remember in college having a bit of a tone snob phase where I was kind of like, Randy Rhodes, great player, but his tone on Diary of a Madman could have been better if he did. Yeah, shut the fuck up, former Eddie. <laughs> shut up shut the fuck up no no one fucking cares what fucking tone is apart from 10 percent of the fucking crowd if that that's that's i mean it's it's yeah. it's very true yeah but so you, but um, I mean, literally you you right there is me talking to me about anything i said in my 20s period i'm just yeah. like, <laughs> dude shut the fuck up yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> uh i I've aged gracefully, as they say. So uh, you're 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 on the right track, sir. I, I would say. Cool. So, um, <laughs> unfortunately, my uh, list isn't anything to go by. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'll, you know what? I'll I'll allow it. It's okay. He, here's the thing. I think the reason I like this quite a bit more th- than you did was because I. I know it's not a country album, but mm-hmm. it has a lot of stuff in there that you would hear on a kind of that sort of vibe album. Um, I like the relaxing vibe of this album, but mm-hmm. like if I st- if I stack this up next to something like Tiny Music or Shangri La Di Da, I think the reason I don't take to those albums is because it's not very focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this one at least has an intention like sure it's it's set out to be an acoustic album and really went in that direction mm-hmm. um I, th- I think it's because it's such a bold step into something they haven't done before i i really like it so i mean se- to, be, sec- to be to be fair i would not use the word bold at all because they've done acoustic songs before it's this is it's not. It, I mean, not to not to shit on what you just just said, but, <laughs> but I would never use the word bold. Um, but but I, I I agree. I I the I I applaud them for having a uh, a a point of view or a, uh, a plan and just fully executing it as it is or as it came out. That that's kind of the angle I'm coming from. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think fairly well. I know you said no. <laughs> I I I did think it was it was a nice song. Um, <laughs> you sound like my mom talking about music. He, he, mom, what do you thing. think of that new Nirvana song? It's nice. <laughs> but that, that's the thing that this album, the, the vibe of it is, is nice. I mean, it's, it's inoffensive. It's, it's, it is at points quite background music. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, a lot of these placings could change on any day, but I, I did, I did have a nice relaxing time to this album um but i would i was where is it perdita those nylon guitars do sound nice as are as do the vocal melodies Mm -hmm. Uh, i didn't know the time i i will say i liked the flute solo 
and I like the saxophone parts in in years. Uh, from a vibe perspective, so all, all they need, all they needed to do was just get a whole bunch of different musicians to do the songs for them, and then they would. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we're we're what like an hour or something into this podcast, and you're still roasting it. <laughs> I told I, mean, I told you I was fuming at how bad this album was, but I'm never gonna get over it. Oh man, this could this could be our biggest our biggest gap between who who likes it more. Um, no, no, that was yeah. that'd, be, that'd be Misfits. I think the Misfits was the one where, <laughs> where yeah, actually there you was know a what, big right. there was like a fucking Grand Canyon in between us. <laughs> uh, she's my queen. It is like it's an awesome. She's your queen. <laughs> immediately now that movie light. we could agree on great, great movie i even enjoyed the scene just let your song oh, wow just was... let it shine through just let your song know. feel it all so silky smooth yes that was fucking awesome <laughs> i i you can't you can't get me started on coming to America and not expect me to do the fucking soul glow jingle. I'm sorry, I didn't. Uh, to, to those of you who get annoyed at the tangents, I'm sorry that I derailed this. <laughs> there is not a single dry pair of panties in the audience right now. Garen fucking T. I, I mean, <laughs> considering that there's probably maybe two in the audience. <laughs> I I've done my job. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I came. I saw. <laughs> I came again. <laughs> and so did everybody else. <clears throat> um. Right. Uh, this is this is cranked and ranked after dark. <laughs> <laughs> this is the nine seven six version. Not safe for work, ladies and gentlemen. Uh. Yeah. I, I found She's My Queen kind of very Led Zeppelin 3. Um, miles Away. Now, th- this one gave me kind of like a, a Soviet World War II monologue-like vibe. There were parts in it where I was like, I almost wanted to do like the... the so, some, some gamers in the audience will recognize this reference. I was going to do a Victor Reznov from Call of Duty World at War where he's like, one day... We will take the fight to their land, to their blood. <laughs> yeah. That was good. I think yeah. I, I, th- I think you have a voiceover career in your future. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I honestly, if the, if if anyone wants me to do late '80s soul jingles, I think I'm hired. <laughs> <laughs> I was just oh. I was just impressed at your range. Like you're like fucking I, Mariah Carey and shit. Yeah, I was, I was I was about to hit you with the whistle notes, but I, I don't think y'all are ready for that yet. Nah, no, we're not. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> you you uh, fucking nail loving you in the in at karaoke. Oh, I'd fucking I'd demolish it. Um, I just need a, a hit Christmas single that gets played to death over the next thirty years, and I can just sit back and watch oh, the royalties man. flood in. With the I whole, feel like if, that, that's what we'll do next year because we because we can't do top ten Christmas songs again. I think next year you and I should just write a Christmas song. A song? Let's do a whole fucking <laughs> album. All right, the cranked and ranked Christmas album. <laughs> um, ho- hopefully, everybody forgets about that by the time Christmas comes around. <laughs> pa- Patreon exclusive. 
Only fans. Only fans. Yes. <laughs> um, Jing- It'll you be fa- called Jingle Balls. Jingle- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that caught me off guard. I walked right into that one. Oh. <laughs> uh, I have to. I have to admit, we've made this review of this album more interesting than it would be if it was just you talking about it. So you know, <laughs> this feels mean. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, now I will say that this next song title, I was kind of like, okay, who let Tom Petty name this song? You found yourself while losing your heart. <laughs> like, that's it. I love. I love Tom Petty. I'll take that title. I, I love Tom Petty too. I was listening to his greatest hits the other night in the shower. Um, nice, nice bit of reverb on that snare. Always welcome in my book. Uh, I once sat at your table. Is a nice little instrumental. Uh, and sunburst is this dreamy closing track. Is it's is nice. As I, again, I'm I'm going, I'm, I'm going mom mode on this. Uh, the 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 reason I picked it so high is because it's so different, you know. I, I mean, to be to be fair, that should that should have been the marketing for this album. It should have been, you know, the 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 new album from Stone Temple Pilots, and then it's got their moms up there, and they're all like, "It's nice." <laughs> that should have been it, because I think their moms uh, are probably the ones that are the most excited about this album. <laughs> anyway, oh uh, um, yeah, this one goes all out acoustic vibes and. I think they did a good job from a vibe standpoint. I think that's why I liked it. So I liked it this much is because some of these lower albums feel a bit disjointed. This one at least has a consistency to it. Plus, plus, uh, plus there are many albums out there that if you, if the vibe hits you the right way, then that's really all you need. If it's done well, yeah, you don't really need interesting songs or original ideas. If the vibe is something that's pleasing to you. So um, I, I totally get. I get where you're coming from. Um, that's not obviously that's not my number four. My number four, another one you already talked about, uh, Shangri La Di Da from 2001. Hey. So, um, this is the last one before we get to what I consider banger central for uh, Stone Temple Pilots. Um, this I like this one because it does in certain tracks, especially the first one, it continues the energy of number four. Um, but they do go back to grabbing from the pool of like the tiny music ideas a little more. And I feel, I feel like they're trying to give you best of both worlds here. Yeah. But the, 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 while I do enjoy this album, um, it does feel like a lot of the same ideas repackaged in songs that are not as good as the ones that came in the, in previous albums. Um, and and it does re- especially because if you if you chronologically listen to their albums from Core to Purple and then you got Tiny Music and then you get Number Four once you get to Shangri La Di Da it's it, it becomes very clear that they're a band that's kind of lost steam creatively speaking yeah um, still very good at what they do but um, you can still write at this point in my opinion still write some good songs uh, but. It just seems like the, the 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 well of ideas was was running out, um, and I really think that this album um, uh, it does feel like it does struggle to be engaging most of the time, especially when you get around the midsection of the album, um, and because half the songs are good, 
the other half are not that great, and it's actually kind of frustrating um, when you listen to it. But um, stepping away from it and just enjoying the album for what it is, this one I have an easier time just sort of getting into and just letting it happen. Hmm. Um, but because yeah. because you know, like I said, these these four guys playing together, I I it's it's cool, and at least in this in this case. I feel like they're still they're still kind of um, they still have a little bit of, of they're still the the momentum from number four I think is still there um, pushing them along. I just think that the the actual ideas and songs um, aren't as good. So uh, so it winds up uh, here at number four, Shangri La Da, which brings us because no we have the same top three. Yes. So whether or not. Whether or not they're in the same order, we have we have officially entered Banger Central, um, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, so let's let's uh, let's start with your number three. I can't confidently say for numbers one or two what order they're going to be in, but I know straight up know that your number three is the same as my number three. Oh, you think so? And that. And that is number four. Okay, fine. You called it. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Our joint number three is number four. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, I, I really like this album. After mm-hmm. a complete rejection of all things heavy on Tiny Music, they flat out celebrate it on this one. Yeah. And, you know... Th- to be honest, this is arguably the heaviest one they did. I know. Yeah, I, would, I would. I think it is. It, absolutely. Yeah. So if if you like chunky riffage, you know, barring some moments I'm, on core, this one. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's like the, the, there's there's a there's a thing like if you're a fan of heavy music in general, just the the once the riff kicks in. And down, that riff has like the lowest hanging balls I've ever heard <laughs> on the Stone Temple <laughs> Pilots riff. Like it yeah. is, and like it is like like that. That's just one of the that there's, but there's a lot of that on this album of those riffs where you just go, where the fuck did that riff come from? Like it's, they're like uh, pig nuts too. They're like fucking huge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're dragging on the ground. <laughs> Uh yeah, down. Not not oh, not, the, not to say that making a good song is equated to being uh, male. That's not that's not what we're saying. That's not what we're saying. We're, we're being inclusive here. Yeah. H- however, hypothetically, were a woman <laughs> to have a pair of balls. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that'll be an interesting sex life. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh down this is more like it like yeah. oh when i first heard that like I, I remember i didn't listen to this album for a long time thinking that they just kept going in the tiny music direction yeah when i first heard this i was shocked i was like mm-hmm. uh, raggy riffs <laughs> um yeah, Heaven and Hot Rods gives me the vibes of a party that I would like to go to. Yeah. Um, Pruno is, it sounds like something off of Purple, but on steroids. Uh, Church on Tuesday. I like the ascending guitar part in the pre-chorus. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Sour Girl is, you know, one of the, probably the biggest hit off of this, which is ironically one of the softest. It, yeah. It's this really cool psychedelic song. Do you, the, um, the weird thing about that, and my memory might be a little bit cloudy, but from from my point of view, in you know, still still at this point, being somebody that watched MTV, um, Sour Girl, I feel like became a hit. It's a good song, but it, if I remember right, there was so much discussion about Scott Weiland's body because it's because he's mm. like shirtless in the video, and it seemed like every discussion on MTV was like, "Look at Scott Weiland's body," and so I feel like the song <laughs> became a hit because everyone was like, "Watch this video with Scott Weiland looking yeah. thin and fit or whatever it was." You know, I, I I don't really remember what the discussion was, but I just remember people talked more about how he looked with his shirt off than they did about the actual song. And so mm. there you go. Yeah. I, I mean, dude looked, looked pretty good. Um, <laughs> even, even if he was winding through like a, like a really warped Teletubbies hellscape. Um, also yeah. do it also do. And you know, that's the, that's the only gripe I have about Scott Weiland is that some of that dancing he would do, I'd be like, Oh, come on, dude. <laughs> it seems like he needs to be like you know in, in, in you know in front of the speaker on acid at Woodstock, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, this is the thing though. This was the part of the album where I was like, "Oh, was no way out." And yeah. I even sent you a video of me, <laughs> and the the riff is yummy as. Fuck. Like it has this almost new metal field. What well, straight up has a new metal field. It does. It, it does. Yeah. Um, it has like a few moments in it that I started doing a Fred Durst impression over the top, and it felt it felt really, really right in the moment. And yeah. I don't care what anyone says. If if it's remotely Limp Biscuit Edge, I'm a rap the fucking chorus to my way or the highway over it <laughs> you know <laughs> this time i'm gonna let it all come out fucking awesome um hey even chromium dioxide gave gave it a fucking pass it's okay to like limp biscuit and he hates the 90s dude like that, that's that's <laughs> yeah yeah he, he hates him some 90s but yeah at that point yeah i feel like that is the that's the that's the true gatekeeper of cool right there. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Glide. Oh no, I skipped over sex and violence. Naughty, naughty. That's a, that's, a, uh, that's it's, a good one. It's an up tempo, punky kind of one. Glide is this big psychedelic epic one. I got you is a chill kind of thing. MC Five, punky hard rocker. Yeah. Atlanta very doors influenced closing track yeah uh all in all fucking fantastic record absolutely um and if it was not for the fact that the top two are such stone cold classics would it 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 would be higher than a bronze i I would consider this of its era a classic because you know 1999 you know this is you know, the, the year of like Limp Biscuit and corn and stuff like whenever all that shit was huge. So them going heavier, you know, if you want to be a dick about it, you could say that they're they're They reverted in order to cash in on the fact that heavy music was popular again, but it doesn't <laughs> sound that way. Like this is, a, this album's a return to form without sounding 
rehashed or like a retreat or anything like that. The songs are there. That's the song, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. And I do think it's because they, when they're in that element, I think they do their best shit when they're able mm-hmm. to just write riffs and add some odd, you know, flourishes and time signatures and stuff here and there. Like, I think that that's when they really succeed as a band. But at the same time, you've got, you know, Sour Girl, Atlanta and stuff that does still have a bit of a throwback sort of vibe and still holds on to some of that psychedelic or, or you know, whatever um, kind of shit they were wanting to do. But the songs are good and they don't sound disjointed. Like it, 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 as an album, it, it flows the way an album should flow, you know, with different types of songs. Now... Somebody's. I don't know if you can hear that. Somebody's booming their their bass. I, I did hear it. It's like right next door. My my neighbor likes. Like he's one of those guys that likes to hang out outside and just turn his car stereo away the fuck up. So now <laughs> you're gonna hear some some bass. This is where we got like a fucking copyright <laughs> Yeah. For like if, if they can even hear. Drop. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so number four is yeah. I love this album and um. I just I like the fact that it just seems like a more honest album. Like the the this the progress this is a progression that I I feel like they the with Tiny Music it was like a heavy handed attempt to do something different. Where I was like this, if you're talking about yeah. core to purple, this feels like more natural. Like they yes. there are different elements and different songs on here than they had written before but there's something that's real natural when it comes to them. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel um, like they were, they were doing something they didn't feel like it feel, it feels like a genuine, honest stone to pilots album. And that's when it came out, I, I, we talked about this album before, cause it was in my top of the, of 1999 and we did our, our top five of 1999. And, um, I just I remember when it came out, I was totally I was totally into it. And in '99, I wasn't even listening to a whole lot of heavy shit. Here and yeah. there, I was, but um, I was I was one of those people that like you know couldn't find any any heavy music that was really doing it for me. So I was listening to a whole lot of different shit. But this was one that I was I couldn't deny that it was uh, uh fucking great and still great today. Production's great, sounds amazing, everyone sounds great, songs are great. I mean, it's. It's a killer album, uh, but not quite as killer as uh, the other two we're going to talk about. So that's my it's our joint number three, number four. Cool. Number so, two. The, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to say numbers. Now this is where I think we could do a crisscross. We would turn because our clothes, our turn our clothes backwards and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll just very quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because. I know I I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to guess. I'm trying to guess. I feel like you really appreciate how they expanded with purple. So I'm thinking purple's your number 1. Could be. However, could be. Could be. My number 2 is purple and I feel the same way about purple as I do about verses by Pearl Jam. Now, okay. it, hear me out. I'm not saying Stone Temple Pilots sound like a Pearl Jam knockoff. 
What I am saying is their career track trajectory is comparable. So yeah, you've you've got. I love the way ten is produced. I slightly wish that they'd kept the reverb heavy thing a little and carried it over a bit more on verses. Yeah. I feel the exact same way I about purple shift to a bit of a drier production because I fucking love how core sounds. I mean, it's not that dry purple. Isn't it? It's compare it to core though. Core is just swimming in, in stuff going on. Yeah. Um, and so I, I I recognize the greatness of the songs themselves on their own merit. Mm-hmm. However, I greatly miss the production approach of the first album. Therein creating this uh, 10 or, or painkiller situation where I am nine times out of 10 going to go for core above, above any other album. Maybe eight times out of 10 because I do... I do really love purple as well. Yeah. But there's something about core. I'll get to that one. Uh, but yeah, meat plow, heavy grooving opener. Really love the riffs on this song. What a kick-ass way to open the record. Uh, Vaseline. Sometimes less is more. And this riff proves it. Um, you know, even, even if Yngwie Malmsteen thinks, how can this be more? more, more. <laughs> also, because um, you were mentioning the production and you were comparing it to verses, they're both produced by Brendan O'Brien, I believe. Um, yeah. And whereas I think their their first albums had different producers, which would explain right. the difference in sound. So they, Brendan O'Brien became the dude everybody wanted to go to. <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> um, but this this album... This album won me over with the quality of its songs. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think this one, from a song perspective, is like I miss the old production, but I cannot fuck with like how good the songs are. Mm-hmm. Loungefly is this cool, psyched out, vibey one. I love how I love how I love how sneaky Scott sounds. Like I wanna do, wanna yeah, do, yeah. He, he just sounds like a he sounds like he's up to up to mischief. Uh, Interstate love song. This is their Enter Sandman. Every band has that one song everyone knows. Uh, it's it's a great song with like a slight little bit of a country twang to the riff. Mm-hmm. But that guitar riff reminds me a little bit of the core era, which I love. Uh, Still Remains is a big guitar-driven ballad. Love when this song opens up. Scott's melodies are ace here. Pretty Penny. Uh, is the poly of this album? <laughs> I've always called it. Yeah, it's like it's like they're kind of like sister tracks. They're both, uh, they're both uh, acoustic grunge side mid album tracks. Yeah, yeah, side closers and and Penny and Polly. There's a similarity there. Um, Silver Gun Superman though, like oh, the groove in this riff. Arguably the heaviest song on the album. It, it, not even arguably. It's straight up the chunkiest one. Big Empty, my favorite track from this one. Mm-hmm. I love it. The chorus is so explosively anthemic. Um, and again, it's the, it's those very chorused but 
heavily distorted guitars that really i wish that they'd kept the chorus on the guitars a bit more yeah on this one as much as they did on on core but you know i i know i sound like i'm you know filleting core believe me when i say i i fell in i bought core with my own money and fell in love with it as a 14 year old kid Mm -hmm. um after hearing plush in san andreas like 300 times prior so i'd become attached to that sound so much um unglued straight up alt rock upbeat driving rocker army ants is this cool up tempo rocker with some psychedelic passages in there kitchenware and candy bars i love the part in this song where he goes like sail me down the river yeah that part is like ear candy um and then you have my second album. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's actually a song by singer Richard Peterson. Uh, and from what I remember, they actually heard is it. None of the band perform on it. It, it. Like it's actually a song from like 86 or something, but they, they liked it and they thought it'd be super funny to put it as a hidden track. So they thought, ah, fuck it. Oh. We'll put this, put this guy's track on here. I mean, I could, I could be talking out of my ass, but that's what I I heard. I don't know. I just always thought it was a funny, you know, everyone was putting hidden songs and they just did like a funny, way different thing for theirs. I feel like they heard, um, you know, obviously when Faith No More retroactively added easy to Angel Dust, I feel like they probably heard that and thought, we should end ours with a, with a lounge song. Oh, or they, may have just heard edge of the world i I don't know but um yeah it's it's awesome awesome album it is awesome which is why we're gonna crisscross here sir my number two is not purple um it is core from 1992 the the uh the debut album from 1992 i already talked about this earlier where when this came out um, I wasn't impressed with sex type thing. Hmm. Um, I really felt like they seemed like a band that was trying to emulate several popular bands of the time at once. Like I really felt like, mm-hmm. oh, they're trying to be Pearl Jam and and uh, uh, Alice in Chains. You know, I, it just it seemed when it came out, it was very like, like you know, hey mm-hmm. guys, we're grunge too. And I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. Um, but like I said, a friend of mine dubbed me the album, and once I heard the whole thing, um, yeah. I was just like, "Oh well, there's a there's a you know that's probably my least favorite song on the album." And there, but it's you know it's grown on me a lot, obviously. But the rest of the album is just so fucking good. It's like an amazingly strong debut. Um, well, can't can't go without saying that this came out the same day as Dirt from Alice in Chains. Yes. So um. That's interesting because they also have kind of similar looking covers with like a lady and stuff. Yeah. And and that was another thing that kept me from getting into this album because fucking dirt came out this day. So, (laughs) so like, you know, it's like you, you, I, I, I had, I was already fully into dirt and then you Mm. see like the sex type thing video and I'm just like, nice try fellas. (laughs) Somebody (laughs) already nailed this. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I got into it eventually, but once I got into it, I was, I was a fan of the album. Um, 
A big thing for this one for me is that um, the both of these top two albums are those kind of albums that um, guitar melodies or certain vocal melodies or parts of the songs literally make me feel like I'm back in 1992. Like they, there's a nostalgia to some of the sounds here that I yeah. just go, wow. I just feel like you feel it. You physically feel like the same kind of feeling. And I don't know, I don't know what that would be. I mean, it's nostalgia, but like, I don't know why that happens. It's very weird. Here's, here's the thing, right? I know what you mean, but I found out that there's this thing called, I think it's called Animoia or something. I think we talked about this before. Yeah. Yeah. Where something can make you nostalgic for a time you didn't even exist in. Yeah. And this album is one of those for me. Like I strangely, like I don't so much remember myself as a 14 year old getting into this album. I remember myself being there you yeah. know in, yeah. in this strange warped kind of way i like my brain plays this trick on me it's like yeah yeah you were you were hanging out in 92 well i think i think that that's also something <laughs> that i might be wrong but i feel like that's something that's going to be it's going to get lost for the younger generation because i almost feel like so much production of not just not just popular music but rock music and everything is has been so samey for like two decades that eventually yeah. it's going to be like, this takes me back to like what year? I don't know. Somewhere in the two thousands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's strange, isn't it? Like I'd, I'd say, and, and this is not me, you know, blaming anyone like, but it seems like ever since like late two thousands, Meshuggah, that's just kind of been the industry standard. And yeah, <laughs> we're still there. <laughs> yeah, I just I just think that that's going to be a, a weird thing of the past. But I but but it may actually prove to be a uh, a positive for the music that we love and the music that I grew up on because music from the seventies, eighties, and nineties will be so unique to those times that it'll probably gain an enjoyment for people in the future because they're like, oh well, there's all this stuff that like sounded really samey and it's hard to place where it came from because the sound wasn't very unique. But now yeah. we go back and listen to these other things where you hear an album from the seventies and you know that that's when it was from. Um, mm. Now I know there are things from this era that will date it to now, obviously like, you know, trap beats and auto tune and, you know, things like that. Um, and when it, in, in the metal world, cl clicky bass drum, you know, yeah. but it's, it's more about the vibe rather than like, songwriting techniques yeah. or a, or a popular thing to to do you know yeah that's that's the that's the thing that like i i don't know if we'll ever get back to that again and i hope i hope that we do or i say we i meant you know even if i'm gone in popular music i loved i loved the 90s the first half of the 90s so much because music was so important to people that everyone was yeah. okay with a single being five and a half minutes long Yes. And, and having a middle section that fully plays out and does takes the, the listeners somewhere else. And nobody was like, why is this song so long? I guess my daughter says that. My daughter looks at songs and she she's blown away by how long Paradise City is. Because she loves that song, which she's like, this song is like six minutes long. And I'm like, well, yeah, they do six minutes worth of stuff in Paradise City. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but anyway, so but 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 core really makes me feel like like it's an album that's very much of its time and sounds that way to me. But I, I would I would I think that it still sounds pretty vital today. Um, it doesn't sound dated as we talk about a lot of music from the early 90s doesn't sound dated. Um, still mm. sounds very good. Um, the one thing I'm going to say, while while this album is not my uh, my number one, um, I, I, p- to me, Plush is one of the best songs of the 90s. Like if I was going to put together like a mix of say 20 songs that to me define the nineties as how, why the nineties music was so great. Plush is probably one of those ones that I would put there because it's, it's, it's such a, you know, I remember when I first heard it, I I thought the, I, I tried to go figure out the riff on an acoustic guitar because the riff was like, I don't think I'd ever heard anything that sort of, what do you call that? A, a descending kind of, yeah. but it keeps part of the same chord and then adds different notes and walks down. And, and I was like, that's really interesting. And then you just listen mm. to the, the way that, you know, the, the chorus goes into the, to the, I guess you would call it midsection. And yeah. then there's another, it's like there's a chorus, but then there's another chorus. There's so much going on in Plush. Like, it is such an amazingly yeah. well-written song where it's so... If you want to pull it apart, it's really interesting. But if you just want to mm. sit back and enjoy it, you can do that too. Like, it's... It's fucking great. I love that song. Um, Here, yeah. I Plush is another reason why GTA San Andreas has one of the most impeccable soundtracks of anything other. Yeah. But... Um, I am going to completely back you up here. I, I've, I'm, I'll mention it again when I talk about core, which, you know, I, I pretty much am now because it's my number one. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I, so we can, we can, we can, we can merge over to your, your core cool. review. While I'm still on plush before I forget about it, okay. that, that, uh, pre, pre chorus, <laughs> like I, I always call it. It's like the, it's like the pre-pre, um, the part where it goes to that big open D and it's it, uh, bling, and I feel it. Yeah. Like all of the notes on that guitar, everything is chorused to hell. Everything opens up and it is just easily, it, you know, if there was, if I had to do like a top five eargasm moments of any song ever, that would be quite possibly be the number one spot yeah like it's up there it's it's, um, it's great that's not even my favorite part of the song but i mean it's, it's still great it's got so many good well! parts <laughs> no my my, my, my my part is actually when it hits that sort of minor sounding chord and it goes into that where you go that, that first chord uh, just 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 the the way it goes from what they were playing before to that i'm all like yeah oh, it sounds so good it's so pleasing the, in the way that it moves so there's so many there's so many like crazy interesting movements in chords in that song yeah like i yeah. i used to know it off by heart i'll have to relearn it on guitar but um i actually managed to get for an assignment uh me and a couple other people uh i think it was for uh gcse which is like uh what would the equivalent over that there be it's like a, it's it's like uh brain is breaking brain is breaking when you're like 16 and you're not doing like full-on exams yet you're just kind of doing 
school pre <laughs> yeah yeah but it's like you do you do your gcses then you do your a levels and then you do um, a master's or something well, the I education mean, system there, there, i mean the, the the equivalent here would probably just be st- the standardized tests that we do but they don't those tests aren't they don't seem so much like you have to get past this in order to get to the next level um, okay fair I did an assignment and we did the unplugged version of plush. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and I was really lucky. I was, I was just sat there playing the bling, ding, bling, mm-hmm. bling, ding, bling. And the music teacher leaned over and said, dude, is that Stone Temple Pilots? <laughs> and I went, yeah. It's like, let's do that. And I thought, yeah, let's, let's do that. Um, but yeah, Cool. I get to talk Core. about. I get to talk about one of my favorite albums of all time. I love. A, I love how a, you. Ta- I've already talked about this a lot while you were talking about purple. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how. That's how much. That's how strongly I feel about this one. Yeah, uh, like this is a top ten of all time album for me. Uh, it's arguably the first grunge album I was deeply into though I was familiar with the big hits of 10 and Nevermind by this point, as swiftly approaching 14 years old. Uh, when I refer in any review of any album I do on this show, if I refer to anything as vibey, this album has the most of that paired with some of the coolest fucking riffs I've ever heard. And the layers of... The layers of guitars on this album is insane. Mm-hmm. Like all of the chimey clean parts over the tops are like really heavy riffs. I ah oh, 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 I'm gonna go into it. Um, dead and bloated, sludgy, Sabbathy, psychedelic opener, awesome riff and chord progressions. Uh, I love the part where it really opens up. Like whoa yeah yeah. 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 And she says it's natural. <laughs> I feel like that it busts back open. Yeah. And like really when it, ex- there's a lot of explosions on this album. Um, sex type thing. Awesome up-tempo rocking song with an anti-rape message that was kind of lost in translation to some people. Well, here's the um, thing. Here's, here's how I don't, they fucked up, but I'm going to blame the video director. You can't write a song where you're using blunt language to make the opposite point, but then in the video you have a shirtless man who's always kind of like, "Look at how manly I am," and like, it it literally makes you lose the point that you were trying to make. The video should not have been that. And then it's got like (laughs) dudes hanging from chains or whatever. It's like the whole, like even me watching the video for the first time, I go, "Did they put a dude in this video that's supposed to look like the guy from the face facelift album cover? These guys are really." phoning in like we really want to be Alice in Chains please love us see that's the thing I I lacked uh the context of all of this stuff when I when I first heard this album so I just I just got really into it and you know I kind of just looked around and I was like oh so this is the visual aesthetic of what grunge is and I I really I really think that if you take all the aspects of the video and then just take those things out of it like put put his shirt back on and don't have him yeah. hanging from chains. 
Because I, I get there's parts where there's like a lady and there's like a ring of fire that goes around her. And there, there are parts of it where I go, I feel like they were trying to make a point, but the point is completely lost because you the guy who's singing is a guy you don't know. And mm. w- and he, he just looks like a dude that might be a douchebag. <laughs> and so <laughs> and so it's just it's just it was a just a bad choice video wise for in my opinion. Fair. Um but then, then you get Wicked Garden, which hits that perfect middle ground between the vibes of the opening one and, you know, that that one-two punch of dead and bloated and sex type thing into this one. Yeah. I love, yeah, I love the, yeah, I love the, the really cool, like, almost sitar sounding bit where, like, da, 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 wow. Yeah. And, like, those cool, like, chimey bits or layer over the top and the the music video i also i really i've always liked that one because they yeah they 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 filmed some of it on actual film and then took the film and actually scratched all these Mm. so when you see they see these weird shapes but they're all scratched into the actual film so it's almost like they, they animated these 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 errors into the the film and I'm like, that's the kind of thing they would they would never do that anymore. Or they could just put it in a program and it's done in ten minutes for them. But you they you know they had to go and individually scratch each frame to make these yeah. weird things happen. And I'm that that that's the the we've talked about this before. The music video making in the late '80s, early '90s is like there's nothing like it. Like there was so much, yeah, so that. many cool ideas, and it was fun to watch these videos. And I I still like that one. Yeah, I. <sighs> dude no memory is and it's like it's only an in- instrumental intro to sin but it's it's unforgettable mm-hmm. it's so so cool and then you get sin like holy shit what a great song the first guitar solo of the album is in this song mm-hmm. um but it's those like really ringing out <laughs> like all of those cool chords in there. I, I love the reverb, how it works with Scott Weiland's vocals on this. Mm-hmm. He never really did much of the reverb thing again. He did a little bit of it on Purple. Purple has a lot of that, reverbs on his vocals. I mean, go go yeah. back and listen to it. There's a lot of reverb. I, I It varies from song to song. Sure. With this album, Absolutely. it's like... It, with this album, it's right the way through. Mm-hmm. Um naked sunday got got a little bit of funk seeping in there creep is this melancholy acoustic ballad then you get piece of pie which is fucking awesome alice in chains levels of heavy plush again classic we're back here yeah uh, the nostalgia hit i get from this song sends me places um wet my bed uh no i didn't <laughs> uh, that's that's one of those it, that's one of those 90s tracks where it's like why is this on this album okay yeah <laughs> someone heard uh someone heard a certain primus album i think um yeah it, it's it was the first thing they actually recorded and that cool thing where the producer walks in at the end and he goes okay now what Oh. <laughs> that, that, that part that's that's real that's that's the very first thing they recorded when for are the we album. gonna do some actual songs dudes <laughs> <laughs> and then oh, but then you get then you get cracker man i have broken the speed limit to this song many times because mm-hmm. it just has that 
yeah, cop chase <laughs> feel to it. Um, and finally, it closes out on where the river goes. I love this song. Mm -hmm. It's hypnotic. Eight minute song. You get so lost in you don't realize eight minutes has passed. It's kind of like I've I've seen people say, Oh, it goes on way too long. They could have cut at least two minutes. I'm like, no, I wanna hang out no. in this fucker. No, it's yeah, it's a the, good it's a good closer. I like the fact that they they let that one breathe a little bit. Yeah. And that is why it's one of my top albums by any band ever. Well, it has a sound completely unique to it. And yeah. I I wish more cores existed, but would core be as special if that was a thing? That is the big I, question. I, I don't think it would be. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, obviously my number one is Purple from 1994, their second album. Now, there, there was a huge buildup to this album for me. Because I became a fan. But then, months before the album came out, uh, the soundtrack for the movie The Crow came out. And on yes. it was the song Big Empty. And it was... I mean, Big Empty is on that album is like the plush of Purple. Like, it's... Yeah. I, I just remember hearing it and just thinking, like, this is, like, such a fucking amazing song. So there was a really big buildup to this album coming out, and luckily, um, it 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 delivered um, to me because in Purple, there's a progression not only in style but in songwriting, and they still sound similar to what they were doing in Core, but I but I feel like now they sound like their own band. So you can't. It's re you'd have to stretch it to be like this sounds like Alice in Chains or this sounds like Pearl Jam, um, because I think they they found their comfort zone and like well here's the kind of things that we do and we've kind of shed we've used our influences for what we need and now we've become our own band and then the next album they would just go back to fucking taking things that other people did, um, but um, I really I really like the fact that they on this album, you know, cause it really, it's as an album, it flows really well. And it gives you all these different flavors of stuff you know, with, with songs like interstate love song and pretty penny. And then, you know, things like that. It's so they are branching out, but the cool thing about their branching out on this album is that they nail it every direction that they go. Yes. They, yeah. the songs are really memorable, no matter what they decided to do on this album. Um, and also, you know, there. I guess you could still say there are grunge elements on Purple, but for the most part, to me, it's just a heavy alternative album. Like the the grunge yeah. part of it, like maybe Meat Plow. There's probably a couple songs. Superman, Silver Gun, probably you could still draw the comparisons, but the way that they were doing things and they were almost coming at it from a more psychedelic point of view, um, which I like. I like that they did that because it was very unique. They had they at this point they had their own thing going. Um, honestly, like the, you know, when I was going through and listening to this album because I've heard this album hundreds of times, and I was trying to write down notes and I was like, you know, going through and listening to each song and every song like has a point where I where I'm just like this fucking song, man. And there's there's no song yeah. that that I don't do that to. Um, so this is a 
perfect album for me. I, there's no song I would want them to do differently. I like the production of this album because it does still have the big production elements of the early 90s. Sure, they, they turned down the reverb a little bit, but to me, like this still sounds massive. And yeah. um, there's nothing about this album that I that I would change. I um, it's uh, it's yeah, it's when it comes to Central Pilots, like this is my go to album always. And it's it's never gotten less enjoyable for me. Like it's it is it is one of those that I hold up there with like the best of the nineties as those albums that um it's just it's aged in amazingly well. Um and so that's that's why it's it's my number one. So we had we had our little uh our little um overlap or crossover. We that's I mean sweet. I mean I, it, it made for a more interesting episode because we we didn't match up on anything except for uh number three. Or number four, yeah, no, 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 whatever. Number four, number three. <laughs> <laughs> that one. The one that we had at number three, which is called number four. Who does number two work for? <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, that's done to a pilot. So for the first time in 2022, yeah. three, two, one, yeah! Yeah, we, we did, did it! it! Fuck that yeah. good feels good feels good to be back guess who's back 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 again back again cranked in rank shady's back tell us around (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah this has been this has been a uh, we're coming back with the with one i've created a monster because nobody (laughs) wants to see marshall no more they want shady i'm (laughs) chop sorry i was gonna i I was gonna do the whole song you should Um, so yeah, so we get, we gave you a, a, a bit, a, a giant sized version of cranked and ranked this uh, episode. Cause we, we, we fit in eight King albums. size. Yeah. Eight <laughs> albums. Um, and it's an over, over two hours, uh, for you guys for, uh, but hey. you know what? We made you wait. We made you wait a few weeks for us to come back. And, um, I know that there are at least a few of you out there that rely on us being here every week. And that makes us feel good. Makes us feel wanted and needed. Um, and we're back now. We are. Um, do you have any part to let words? you know? We can really shake them down. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> do you love me? <laughs> Closing thoughts. I'm gonna get us claimed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounded too similar to the real vocal. <laughs> we're gonna get sued by the Soul um, Glow people. Oh shit! <laughs> uh, <laughs> of all the people, Soul Glow. <laughs> That that one just sounded like a Terrence and Philip. <laughs> <laughs> Terrence, you farted! <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's how I learned how to do like, Alfred screams. <laughs> just doing a Terrence and Philip impression, and I just kind of never hit puberty. <laughs> uh, this was fun. <laughs> do you have any closing thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> peanut butter platypus i guess oh yes peanut butter platypus uh, to all of you out there if you and you can get coffee mugs uh with our faces on one side and the other side says uh peanut butter platypus if you look down below in the youtube video um you can see go buy go buy a coffee mug or a t-shirt or a hat or you know um i don't know 
Um, and also if you do buy things and you, and you, uh, wear them about like, you know, take, post yourself, post some pictures of you wearing some old head and cranked and ranked merch. Spread the good word through the we'll, Lord's uh, work. We'll, we'll re we'll repost you cause you know, we're famous and stuff and it's, you're going to get a repost from some, some couple of famous blokes. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, first cranked and ranked of 2022. Um, we got. When, like we've already got lined up, you know, we know where we're going for the next couple months, I think. Month, <laughs> yeah, a month or two. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, and we're not running, I mean, we, we have a list. It's fucking long. So it's, and, it, yeah. and we keep adding to it. So I don't think that we're in any danger of, uh, of running out anytime soon. And even then, even with that list, it seems like every, like at least once or twice a month, somebody will comment like, what about doing this band? And I'm just like, eh. <laughs> because <laughs> i know eventually because i feel like the, the, the when we get to the point when we actually are doing like uh I don't, I don't know fucking um what's that band why can't i think of the band anymore <laughs> never mind which, it's the band, band it's the band it's the band that i remember i went to a bar one time to, to go to a show and i got there early and i was drinking at a bar and somebody came up to me and said are you in that band oh uh amana marth that's it oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I uh um and I was like, why do you think I'm in a Monomarth? <laughs> like I like you just I got a long hair and beard. I must be in a Monomarth. I should have just faked an accident and been like, yes, that is my band. Um anyway. So yeah, I, I feel like if we, I am a Viking. I just feel like that. if we Yeah. I feel like if we ever get to the point where we're doing things like a Monomarth, not that they're a bad band, but I feel like that's so far in the future that like, you know, we'll be like <laughs> That's when we're, I think we're nearing the end. Anyway. <laughs> By which point, all of the bands we've already covered will have like seven other albums out. So. That's true. We'll just start over from the beginning. Except for, I mean, obviously we can't do Nirvana again, unfortunately. But, you know, we can do a lot of bands again. Uh, well, have you seen how fast like AI has taken hold of like synthesizing people's voices? That's scary. Because like, what if they, it's, what if they make us say things that we didn't say and we get canceled? <laughs> Hey, Eddie, let's go back in time and stop Hitler from being killed. <laughs> Actually, to be completely honest, if we got to the point where we were we were canceled, I'd be like, we're popular enough for people to care enough to cancel us. I'm like, we made it. And now it's over. But anyway, all right, cool. That's that, that wraps up. I'm going to I'm going to get out of here because we've been we've been we've kept you here for a while, especially if you're still here. You're the ultimate peanut butter platypus and we love you. Um, but yeah. uh, we're going to let you go. We'll be back next week with another uh, band ranking. It's going to be fun. Um, thank you very much for uh, continuing to support. And for those of you who are buying merch, thank you very much. Um, and uh, YouTube, you're great. Podcast world, you're also great. Um, and we will see you all next time. And as, uh, as usual, I'm going to throw it over to Mr. Eddie Sparks to take us out. Just let your later do Just so Later, dude. Something or something. <laughs> something, something. Later, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>